Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. And I have to say, please forgive me. I have never been late before in getting out a podcast, especially for this podcast, because this is going to be a very special one. And uh, anyway, um, Colin and I came home uh, the uh, 3rd, no, the 11th, the 11th of January from our Above Rubies retreat down in Panama. That was our winter retreat. And it was the most beautiful, beautiful retreat Oh, wow. I don't know. They seem to just be getting better and better. I think it is that so many, um, although there's lots of new people, many are coming back who've got to know one another and the comradeship is so wonderful and the young people, uh, they are just getting to know one another more and more. And there was such a great anointing of the Lord upon the young people and the children, uh, it was just so amazing. One night, uh, the anointing of the Lord came down, and they couldn't stop worshiping until two o'clock in the morning, and uh, praying for one another. It was just so beautiful. But anyway, I came home. We had it all arranged. Uh, the next day, uh, I was going to do a podcast with Arden and Esther. And they are sitting here with me now. But unfortunately, instead of doing the podcast, I, um, my head hit the pillow and uh, I just couldn't get up. And uh, for three days, I couldn't lift my head. I couldn't even keep down water. So I don't know what happened to me. And then, of course, I got this cough and uh, I'm not right yet, but... By faith, we're going ahead today, even though we are late. And please forgive me once again. Now, Esther and Arden are sitting here with me. Arden is Serene and Sam's oldest son. And he's married to beautiful Esther. Want to say hi? Hello, everyone. Hey. I was going to say when you said you're never late, you're never late on a podcast, but sometimes I can be late on editing your podcast. (laughs) Well, right from the beginning of starting our podcast, uh, Arden has been the one who set our podcasts up and uh, has been with me in all of this, and uh, he edits them. So he's such a very big part of this. Thank you so much, Arden. I can also be blamed for the bad podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So anyway... Uh, Today, I want Arden and Esther to tell their story. They have such a powerful story to tell. Some of you know it, but most of you will not know it. But let me start it off, because it all started with Esther coming to Above Rubies as an Above Rubies helper. Amazing things happen when girls come to be Above Rubies helpers. 
And so Esther arrived, and it was my first time to meet her. She came all the way from Canada, and her lovely parents brought her down with them. And uh, so it happened to be that the next night was Shabbat. And Esther was just reminding me about this now. And I had invited the Allison family over for Shabbat. We always like to have visitors at our Shabbat meal. Sometimes it's family, sometimes it's people uh, who we want to introduce Shabbat to them or friends we just want to get together with. Or sometimes it's just the grandchildren. Anyway, this time it was the Allisons. And I had no ulterior thought in my <laughs> mind they are giggling here i'm only i'm only laughing because it's been a family joke um maybe we haven't mentioned it to you but uh it's been a family joke that you have uh you started above rubies to get wives for your grand your grandsons <laughs> <laughs> which wasn't in my no, mind no, at all just, but it did happen joke. and it yeah. was more than Arden and esther they set the the, the ball rolling. I, I was the first. Well, and you swore you'd never marry Ruby. Yeah, well. that's the funny thing is when uh, um, growing up, you know, I'd get, I, you know, when I was younger, I'd get teased and I swore, I was like, I will never marry an above Ruby's girl. Never, ever, ever, ever. And, and <laughs> oh, I know, because if you could know, there's the seasons, you see. And there were the seasons when all our grandsons, they were just little, little boys, you know, real boys. And they didn't believe in showering or most probably never even sleeping in beds. They were always out in huts. Yeah, we were, we were savages. Um, and, you know... Back back then, you know, guys, you know, girls had the cooties. You know, when we were young boys, and we made this pact that we we're never getting married ever. And uh, I was lying. I knew it then. I knew it then that I was lying. I wanted to get married, but with the the group of savages, I was like, no, I'm never getting married. I don't want to. <laughs> And got married, definitely not an above Ruby's girl. Yeah, that was <laughs> and of course, if you ever talked about girls, I mean, they'd want a bucket to vomit into. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was actually very mean to above reviews girls. <laughs> oh, yes. In those days, these little boys, they'd come in, they'd find a snake. So they'd come into the office to scare them. They'd come in with spiders. They would come in, they used to tie them up. They did all <laughs> these terrible things to the above rubies girls. Uh, and But then, wow, suddenly they just started to grow up a little. And that night, Arden told me, he said, Going home, my mum said to me, Well, I hope you could marry a girl like that, Arden. What did you say, Arden? Well, yeah, we were driving home, and uh, that was that Shabbat night after we hung out with you guys for um, a few hours, several hours, like three or four hours. And uh, we were driving home, and mom just looked at me, and she said, I wish you'd just fall in love with a girl like that, Arden. Which I don't know why she said that because I hadn't fallen in love with any girl <laughs> at that time. But uh, she was like, I just wish you'd fall in love with a girl like that. And I'm like, Mom, don't worry. I already have my own ideas. He was already thinking. He'd already seen Esther. But guess how old he was. He was only 16. Help! <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just, just 16. I, I was turn, just about to turn 17. Yes, yes. And so Arden didn't take much long to wait around. Um, he decided, yes, that's the girl I want to marry. 
So um, when Arden believes it's um, time to do something, he does it. Well, I, I was raised um, that you don't get into a relationship, and I, I'm glad I was raised this way. Like, I, there's no uh, just absent-minded, just dating, and just for I wanted to. I wanted to get married. I wanted that life. I wanted to be a responsible man. So when when I found the woman, I was like, man, this this girl, she loves the Lord. She's responsible. She's smart as a tack, <laughs> and, you know. Um, and I was like, you know, I want to, I, I want to get to know this girl more. So, uh, and, and for the possibility of marriage, and uh, I talked to her for a little bit in the office, and you know, you were there, and then I started emailing her dad, and uh, that <laughs> that was uh, an adventure, and he was just grilling me over a whole array of topics and matters, especially theological and spiritual, and uh, is uh, is definitely a uh, an experience that was yes they weren't expecting uh their daughter to come down and this happened it was fatherless from their minds i was going to say to bring it back actually a little bit more i was raised in china and my mother received above ruby's magazines in china she loved them they changed her mind on on you know a big family on homeschooling on mothering because she wasn't raised like that not just hers everyone in that community oh yeah but her in particular and so i grew up reading above ruby's magazines from the time i was a little girl and interestingly enough somehow it was always one of my dreams to become a ruby's girl even on my homework papers it'd be like my one of my goals was to be above ruby's girl I did not know, obviously, that I was going to find my husband there in the end. But yeah, I had a passion for Above Rubies from when I was a little, little girl. Yes, and Esther came knowing uh, every single person (laughs) in the family. She had knew all about them and knew who they were right from a little girl, which was quite amazing. But um, at 16, uh, Arden wasn't wanting a girlfriend he was never interested in that. He he wanted to, um, he was interested in marriage. And so uh, Esther's parents thought, wow, help. Oh, wow, I mean, yeah. they, they, we better come down and meet this guy. Yep. So they had to come down. Of course, when they met Arden, they, they couldn't say no. They love Arden. They just had to delay things a little bit. <laughs> but um, so then, of course, Arden began to frequent our meal table. And uh, it was quite interesting. Well, the the funny thing is, um, back then I did a lot of water hauling because we didn't have our mom and dad's water was connected to. They didn't have a spring. They didn't have a well um, at that point because the spring kept on drying up in the summer. So in in the winter it was fine. In the summer I had to haul water. Well, um, that was toward the end of the summer. Uh, she came in October, and uh, you know obviously it's fall by then. But I was still hauling. Um, water and it only took like 30 minutes to fill the the water tank but I would I would turn it off and let it drain out so I could have another 30 minutes oh. to hang out and help and help with in the office with Esther and you oh. I remember one time you called for above Ruby's helpers because we or I mean there was only me at the time and there was a new magazine that had just come out and I was the only Ruby girl there so you asked everybody on the land to come and help he was, Arden was the only one who actually ended up showing. And we spent the entire afternoon together in almost complete silence working on Above Ruby's magazines. Yes. Yeah. yeah, no, if I could go back to, to, you know, that young guy that I was, I would be like, man, what an idiot. No, we were just both <laughs> Not nervous. Not for falling in no, love we with her, but, but just, I just had. Like, but that's all falling in exactly, love. It's all exactly. part of it. It's all so wonderful. Yeah. 
Oh, yes. And so Arden would come for supper and uh, he he had to eat rather strangely. He could only eat with one hand. <laughs> yeah. And then so, and Granddad always made fun of, fun of me because we were always holding hands. So I'd eat with my left hand and I'm right-handed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we were very whirlwind dating. So anyway, that was just a wonderful, great time and so exciting for all of us. And uh, we all just had to be patient and wait uh, until they were both 18 and the beautiful wedding day came. And uh, that was just such a glorious day. And and, um, we all knew that Arden and Esther were going off on their honeymoon, hoping for a honeymoon baby. We were all hoping for a honeymoon baby. And uh, we were all excited about it. We just all thought, this is what's going to happen. And, and everyone was so excited. But that wasn't what no, quite we, happened. No, we both um, come from families with a dozen children. Yeah. And so we both desperately wanted to have a big family. And we both were pretty sure it was going to happen fairly straight off, as you know. Your parents are pretty fertile, and so are mine. And so we thought, you know... It's really unlikely that it won't happen. Yes. But God had different plans. Yes, and so you can start telling the story. Well, yeah, just to put it, put it in perspective. So we met in October of 2014 here at your house. And then, you know, come the whole, we, we started our relationship. I was emailing her father, got permission to, like, go, uh, start a relationship with her, talk to her, call her. But um, anyway... Um, it's getting down into a rabbit trail. Uh, but we, we, we were in a relationship for all of 2015 and then we got married in February of That, cause that was when she'd had to go back home yeah, so, to Canada. Yeah, that was more like long distance. I visited her a couple of times and she visited me. Um, and, and we were just, she wrote more majority of the letters. We were just, it's emails, texting, calling, and a few letters exchanged from me and like dozens from her <laughs> but yeah we got married in uh, in february of 2016 and five weeks blissful yeah it was incredible blissful and yeah. it was wonderful oh yeah and then five weeks after our wedding day we went in for a routine checkup for you yeah and arden had had some swollen lymph nodes for a couple months back yeah. but we figured because it was also the cold and flu season plus it was you know weddings are i mean they're wonderful but they come with an aspect of stress and busyness and shifting a new life so we figured you know just it's a minor minor infection it'll go away but because that stuck around for a few months i asked the doctors to check it out and be like hey you know can you just check because it has been around for a couple months yeah and, and yeah yeah he no he he immediately said uh you might want to get checked out by an oncologist because uh, you might have Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I was like, what's Hodgkin's lymphoma? I was like, going to say, I, both of us had no idea. We were freshly 18. No one, had, yeah, either I one of us had didn't any even, idea I what actually that was. Never knew, I didn't know that much yeah, about cancer. I. I thought old people got I thought unhealthy people got I didn't know anything about it. Um, and at that point, we're like, oh, what are, what are we going to do? So, um, man, this is, you guys, listeners, you guys are listening like – we have not told this to, I mean, family members know this and a few other people that family members have told and we've talked to um, other people personally and in like a one-on-one conversation. But this is like the first time like we've really, really went public about like, just cause you know, it's, uh, it's been, it's been six years now. No, seven, seven years. Seven years, yeah, seven isn't years. it? I mean, eight years coming up on our, what, like 
our wedding day, but like it was a seven, yes. six, almost seven year journey of <clears throat> battling cancer. Yeah, you're speeding things I am, up. I am. So, needless to say, we were both a little shell shocked. Um, both not sure how to process or continue from there. But my grandmother had died of cancer um, so several years. Yeah, and your grandfather several years before. And we are, my grandmother used conventional treatment, and we had seen and. You know, you see and hear horror stories of conventional therapy, and so both of us were very hesitant to go into it, oh. especially being so newly married. And we all know it greatly decreases fertility, or it's at least it's known to. And we didn't want to take that chance straight off. And the doctors assured us they were like, "Well, Hodgkin's lymphoma is extremely slow growing. If it's in fact, if you're going to get cancer, it's the type you want the most. Exactly, yes, because you have so much time. And so we thought, if we have the time." It's slow growing. We might as well try some natural treatments. Yeah. So I mean, that's that was what was going through my mind exactly. as well. Like they they literally he the doctor told me he was like, hey, if you're gonna have cancer, this is the one you want because um, people your age uh, almost none of them die. Young adults it's your chill. age, they 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 all they all beat it. Yeah. And uh, so with that in mind, we were like, okay, what are the options? And with mom being a health, my mom yes. being an extreme health freak, and I didn't care about health. I mean, I didn't, I didn't appreciate having a healthy mom and a healthy lifestyle you know back then taco bell was my life um i just i went to taco bell all the time and but you I were had, just oh, blessed I, to be yeah, brought up I, healthy I, I, yes. I was brought up healthy ate healthy meals at home but you know bachelors when I, when I was out and about bad food was incredible <laughs> yeah but with that with that said anyway um we decided to uh go and do uh natural treatment in Mexico, alternative treatment in, in Mexico. And we were there for one month, right? Yes. Yeah, one month. Yeah, and one uh, month. it went from stage one, like, like you see me normal to stage four pretty much. I would say stage three. At yeah. that point we got, we let, when we came home in July, yeah. it took, it was about two, two months from the total, um, from beginning to Mexico, when we went to Mexico initially, and then to where the point he was at stage four was about two months. And so it accelerated really, really quickly and really, really abruptly. Neither one of us were expecting that. And all the doctors had assured us that was not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, and came back from Mexico, like during the treatment, like I was, I felt normal when I first got there. Then during the treatment in, in the middle of the month um, that we were there, I started getting like night sweats, just, just didn't feel right. It was, I was lethargic. I was going through life in a slow motion. Poor Esther in the whole, in the whole journey, um, you know, it's, she remembers it more than I do on the, on the, the really hard days because I was kind of <laughs> not there. Well, and also because it initially started around your neck, your um, lymph nodes around your neck s swelled up really, really big. Yes, the few, I'll never the forget months. the night you arrived home. In this room where we were having the prayer yes, meeting and all the cousins were here and of course we all expected you to come home healed from this great, you know, incredible natural therapy and then they looked at you and all these growths had got so much bigger and they all just began to cry. It was the most, it was just... We could not believe it. It wasn't what we expected yeah, to happen, no, was it? Sure. No, yeah, it was. It was not. 
And you basically just got steadily worse. It steadily <coughs> declined. And the doctors were telling my wife and my mom that, hey, this is fine. This, this is, just is normal. This is the way your cancer should react. This, this is it just reacting to the treatment. The dying cancer yeah, cells exactly. are, are just in, uh, in causing a little bit of inflammation and it's going to go down. And, and in the end, you, by, in August of 2016, your parents had had it, I think. They they were like, this is enough. We're not listening to those doctors anymore. And so we went and got him different scans from a different doctor. At Vanderbilt. Um, yeah. But then, in between that, too, we, were, we decided that we would pray. <laughs> Remember, it was actually three months um, that every single night of the week we'd come together as a family. And it was so wonderful the way the family just rallied. Right down, if the family, that the family, I mean the family, right down to the little babies, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. everyone came. The cousins would just gather around Arden and, uh, and they would just pray over him. I can remember them just, just praying and praying and would just sing the songs of the Lord and, and, and we watched him get worse. In fact, it, it was just so bad that we couldn't, I mean, if we we weren't seeing anything for our prayers, and so um, I actually put s- scriptures, healing scriptures, all around the whole room, and uh, we could just walk around and pray over those scriptures and pray those scriptures and hang on to them because we had nothing else to hang on to. We we all we watched was these huge tumors get bigger and bigger. And Arden become well, less and less. The, the the crazy part, you know, with Hodgkin's lymphoma, it's not like an actual. I mean, it doesn't work like a normal tumor. Tumor. It's a, kind of essentially like a blood cancer. It's a blood cancer. Um, and it causes your lymph nodes to be the tumor, so they they swell up so much. And yeah, like with with all that said, and all the um, the prayers and the family support we got, I'm literally here by the grace of God. Well, in retrospect, over those few months, we didn't realize at the time, but your body was shutting down. Yeah, it was was shutting down. You were dying. And yeah, like you were saying before, like when we went and got those scans, they called they called us up immediately, immediately after. Like it was yeah, because you were having things in your heart, wasn't it? There was fluid around his. That's when you had to get to the hospital. You have to go now. So that night we went to Vanderbilt Adult Emergency Room. We were admitted immediately. <laughs> yep. Uh, admitted, like generally, you know, sometimes you'll get cut. I've been in the emer- emergency room so many times in my life, just like cut nice gashes. You know, I was a daredevil and crazy boy. And uh, you have to wait 15, 20, 30 minutes sometimes. Well, this was immediately. Walked in immediately. Put put it, put me on a table. My wife is sitting right next to me holding my hand. And I have, they, they were droves of student nurses doctors all like all these people and doctors came in and told my wife that night they were like hey this is the worst case of Hodgson's lymphoma we've ever seen and if he if he survives they're like you guys probably won't have kids and his lymph nodes will never get back to normal size basically yes basically they were like if you don't do chemo you will die 
so you must do chemo right now. And that sort of, uh, yeah. Well, and the thing That's is, we were, we, were scared, we were terrified of it. Yeah, that we was were. a big fear over my wife's and, and my life at the time. We're like chemo, terrified. And right during that time, um, I mean, I know I didn't. And we kind of had this peace about it. Like, hey, yes. kind of God opened that door and we were yeah. not nervous. We did not fear fear it. And that was that was the, the door that, that God had opened. Yeah. And, uh, it, was, it was definitely... Like I said, it was harder on my wife at that time oh. um, because she had to face just a few months being married. Well, you know. uh, yeah, I was facing widowhood in, <laughs> yeah. the, in the first year of my marriage. And it was a very oh. real possibility. And her family's in Canada. And, yeah. you know. Yes. And you'd come home from your honeymoon just thinking of a of baby. And now you're facing a husband who you may not live. Exactly. I mean, it was torture, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was pretty much hell on earth. <laughs> There's not much worse that I could imagine, i got to be honest. Yes, yes. But by the grace of God, chemotherapy worked. Yeah. Well, yes. they had started me on heavy-dose chemotherapy. Yep. And also, just for a little uh, paint a picture here, um, when we got married, I was like 175 pounds. And when I got admitted to Vanderbilt in August at the ICU, I was close to 125 pounds. And that was literally a period of like six, seven months. Yeah. That was in yeah. six or seven months. Yeah. And I was on crazy, crazy diets that the doctors in Mexico had put me on. And I was juicing for you every night. And, and mom you was could... giving me all sorts oh. of supplements and mushroom oh, powders I and know. pills and all this crazy stuff. And, I mean, and, if there's and a natural you... remedy, we tried it. And it was, I could see it was the hardest thing for you to get down this juice. <laughs> and, and it was the most powerful juice because I was going to get oh, you well. Peppers, it, jalapenos, oh, it, tomatoes, yes, carrots, and, and okra leaves. Well, and the thing is, at that time too, I didn't have a love for health. You know, I developed the, that this love for health over the years of the treatment that I, I had. You know, I had to I had to actually buy into it myself. Yes, you know? yes. Uh, like my mom has um, kind of been bought. You know, she's been bought into it. So I had to actually develop a love for it. But yeah. at that time, I didn't. I didn't care. Yeah. I just, you know, I just wanted to get better. And. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, they started uh, me on heavy um, chemotherapy and I, lo I lost my hair. And this is the I, I think I was I, I felt I'd felt so bad that I didn't feel any of the, the side effects from chemotherapy besides hair loss. Like I actually mm -hmm. was feeling better from yeah. taking the chemotherapy. Because you'd been so bad. Yeah. Yes. Well, so, all you did was sleep, basically. Yeah. So I actually had more yeah. energy because yeah. it was beating down it was taking away the large masses around my my you know my neck and underarms my underarms I had baseballs underneath both arms mm -hmm. yes the interesting so. thing is is that none of us could ever imagine how you got it because you were such a healthy specimen but um, you think it was that you know spraying you were doing when you there's, there's lots, a lot of, there's of, lots a lot of, of theories I, have a lot I guess of, I have a lot of theories but I introduced I did have uh glyphosate roundup i dumped it all over my shoulders and, yes. and neck on accident i was uh when i was 17 it spilled all over you yeah I had and you were out and didn't get back for how long to... i was out on a cell tower maintenance crew um and esther and i were dating this is in the summer of 2015 and i had a backpack sprayer with glyphosate and 
the lid must have not been on tight and I jumped over a fence and I landed. And you know, when you land, you kind of brace with your knees and bend over a little bit and the lid popped off and the glyphosate Ooh. came all over my neck and shoulders, neck and shoulders. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, another theory, because honestly no one really knows is that Epstein-Barr virus is known, is actually been known to mutate into Hodgkin's lymphoma and your blood work had said he had had Epstein-Barr virus. So it's possible that's also what did it. Yeah. Well, no one knows exactly, but there's yeah. another theory. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but really, I mean, I used to churn. My brain would just go around, especially when I was feeling better um, in the following months after the heavy chemo. I used to churn like, what if, why, why me, why me? Uh, and then over the years, I really got to the point where I was like, why, why not me? Why not me? Because I, I kind of, I, I, I really, I, I kind of frustrated with myself because I, I feel like I wasted a lot of time just kind of sitting down in self-pity and, and wallowing and be like, I'm sick. I can't do this. Oh, I shouldn't do that. Oh, this. Oh, no. I, I, I'm, life won't be good until I get better. I put those requirements on myself like, hey, I'm going to be really happy when, when I'm cancer free. And I had to get to the point, even I got to this point before I was cancer free. Um, I had to get to the point where, hey, no, I'm happy now. I am a, a cancer does not define me. Sickness does not define me. Yes, I have cancer, but I'm, I'm a man of God. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let this define and rule over my life like this. So I had to get to that point. For the record, though, he was one of the most optimistic people I have ever, ever, <laughs> ever seen go through anything. Like I know. That. If you asked him how he was, it didn't yeah. matter what time of day or what time of night or how he's actually feeling. He's always great. Yeah, that's and he, true. Honestly, he never, ever got... Like, I will vouch for that. He was always yeah. great and always a smile on his yeah, face. Yeah, I was going to say, he never... He, there were very, very, very few lows, and I rarely mm. even saw them. He was always very upbeat, very optimistic, very positive. And actually, mm. to this day, I'm baffled how that works. Yes, yes, and um, yes, but um, okay, you, 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 they really, you know, went for it yeah, when so they first found you at stage four, yeah, so but then, of course, here, it was a seven-year fight, it, it didn't was, just go. Yeah, after the big heavy doses for a few months, I went to low-dose chemotherapy, yes. which I reacted really well with, Yes, and over the, the next um, couple years, I had a couple clean scans, and and then it would come back like it was very aggressive. Yeah, we did. I I reacted well. Now this is interesting, Arden. You know they say, oh well, this is the one you want to get, yeah. but it wasn't like well, that after, for you. After studying, because I've I've really poured like a lot of man hours into studying cancer and 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 stuff like that, but. When cancer, when a young person has cancer, it's a lot tougher than when an older person has cancer. Because really? Because the immune system is tougher. So in order to overcome an, a younger person, the cancer has to be stronger. But an older person, like I, I know, I've known several older people that have cancer. Now, that's not a blanket statement. I know that some older people have cancer and it, it can be really tough and, and take them out fast and be really aggressive as well. But I do know several older people lots of older people um, that have cancer and it's been kind of dormant in a way, you know, yeah. not dormant, but they've, it's not super aggressive like mine was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that can be various 
types of cancer and it's 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 wild um yes um, yeah. no not one's the same no, yeah no, no they're all they're all different and it you know it's it it's it's crazy i didn't even know how much cancer there was out there until i started getting treatment i'd go to the oh and another thing when i was in the icu on the adult side since i was 18 and they, just 18 just 18 i mean i was 18 in december of december 15th of 20 uh, 15. So just about to turn 19, but they, uh, they gave me the opportunity to, they said, Hey, do you want to go to the children's hospital? And I was, I looked around and I was like, yeah, the adult side is just kind of morbid. It was just kind of sad. Um, yeah, but I honestly think even more than that was the main reason we were trying to save his fertility. We wanted yes. children. Yeah, and that was the main reason. We really, really, really wanted children. If there was a ch chance of saving his fertility, it would be in the children's hospital, not the adult hospital. Yeah. And so that's why we opted for the children's hospital. Yes, and yeah, that and was the best decision. That was the main reason. The, the, the other reason was just the adult side was kind of sad. Um, but we went to the kid's side, and that's where I was receiving all the ma majority of my chemo. Like the lower doses, and yes. um, and that's where I I've, I've I finished out on the kids side as well. Well, yeah, we went through seven years of ups and downs. We tried, um, we tried a few, uh, we tried natural therapy a couple more times, actually, just you know to yes. see how it would work, especially because his body was doing in Arizona, better. In... And yeah. Mainly in Arizona. Yeah, mainly. Oh, you went, we went to some other clinics yeah, we went, too, we, didn't you? We went you? to two other clinics in Arizona to try and see what we could do. In the end, we always did end up going back to Vanderbilt. Conventional treatment worked best for him and his cancer. Um, yes. And in 2022. Wow. Well, yeah, the yeah, beginning of 2022, spring of 2022. Yeah. Um, he had had clear scans. And the thing is, we, like he had said, we had had at least two clear scans before, but his cancer kept coming back. And the, the doctors at Vanderbilt recommended that we do a stem cell transplant because it would sometimes there's cancer on scans that can't be picked up because it's too small, but left alone, obviously it will grow and and destroy the body again. But if you do a stem cell um, transplant, the idea is that, is that you kind of give you give yourself a clean slate. Yeah. So basically, they give you doses of chemo so heavy that it wipes everything in your body, both good and bad. And that was that was something that we knew that was on the radar from the beginning. They wanted. They said, "Hey, this is the plan. We're going to do this, do this, do this, and then stem cell transplant." And I've just you know I'd heard so many crazy stories of stem cell transplants over the years. Yeah. And Esther and I were really kind of like, oh, we don't know if we want to do that. Um, but then, you know, in 2019, we had our baby and then... Whoa, anyway, shall we it, yeah, Shall yeah, we, we, we just here. stop here yeah. and uh, we're going to come back next session and find out what happened about that. So you've got okay. to wait for it <laughs> because um, it was the biggest, hugest decision I can remember. Oh, goodness, even your mum just oh. agonizing, agonizing. So uh, we'll just tell you, we haven't finished the story yet. So we're going to close out here and um, uh, we've got a couple more sessions yet with Arden and Esther. So be tuning in for next week, okay? Lord God, we, we just want to... Uh, just come to you today thanking you for your faithfulness. Here we are talking on the other end of seeing your great faithfulness, Lord God. And uh, we just, uh, as we continue to tell the story of all that you have done, we want to give you thanks 
And uh, Lord, we want to bless and pray for any who have any kind of cancer listening. We pray that, Lord God, you will come through in miraculous ways. Show the path, Lord, for each one, we pray, in the precious name of Jesus. And bless each family today, Lord God, in their homes and in this coming year, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.